This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. Hallelujah. How is everybody tonight? Man, isn't it good to be in church on a chilly August evening in Barstow? Come on. Amen. Amen. You know, the book of Romans says that Abraham had to call those things that were not as though they were. And so you sound a little crazy when you do that, but I'm saying I'm nice and cool. I'm playing my Christmas jams in my car. It's that time of year already, so praise God. All right, well, tonight uh, the title of the message is going to be this, Word Power. And what we're talking about is the power of your words. Now, when I get as I'm getting into this, you know, I'll say that there's probably kind of two groups of people in here tonight or maybe those listening online, and it's this. Some of you, this is honestly going to be kind of a new teaching. And then for some of you, you've heard this a lot of times so much that you're not walking in it anymore. And 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 that's where I find a whole lot of the church is at, is you, you've heard this. You, you know the power of words, yet you're not speaking the right words over your situation. You're not speaking words of faith. You're speaking words of doubt, words of being negative. And, and, and I find myself slipping back into this sometimes. And I know that, again, there's some in here that this will be like just a brand new revelation. You never heard this before. But yet there are some that you're in the boat of, I, well, I know that. I, I know, of course it says that. But why aren't you doing it then? And so a verse, I don't have this up there, but it's Proverbs 18:21. One of the first verses I ever learned, and um, and I've got a story about this. I'm going to tell about me and Josh in just a second. But Proverbs 18:21 in the King James it says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof." I mean, that's that's a pretty bold statement right there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The power of your words. And I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I have anybody here tonight that loves to talk? Come on, raise, there, you are, there we are. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so it says right there, it can be a, that could be a really good thing if you're speaking words of life. But it could also be a super bad thing. If you're speaking negative words or words of death. And I'm not making this up. It says it right there. The tongue can literally bring death or life. I'm not saying you're going to physically drop dead. But the situation that you're talking about, you could totally destroy that relationship. You could totally destroy that job. You could totally destroy that blessing that God brought into your life. If you just sit there and and you're speaking words of death over it all the time. You will reap the consequences of your words because what does Galatians 6 tell us? It says, God shall not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, we apply that to lots of areas. That applies to your finances. Yeah. It applies to, you know, how you treat other people, loving thy neighbor as thyself. It also applies to your words. And I know that there are some situations in life I've probably planted some seeds with my words that I don't want to reap that harvest. Anybody else? You've planted some seeds and you don't want to reap that harvest. But the fact of the matter is this, unless you correct that, you will reap the harvest of your words. I know there's many times I've wondered, man, how'd this even happen? 
I find myself in a situation like, how'd this happen? And then as I go back through life, I can start to see, oh, wait, I know exactly how this happened. God didn't send this to me. I sent this to me with my words because I started speaking negatively and I started speaking death over this situation. I started speaking bad things when I saw that it wasn't going how I wanted or when it started to, you know, mess up or whatever. I started speaking death. And then that's where I am right now. That's why I'm in the mess that I'm in. You know, uh, I'm thinking of this time when Josh and I were, I don't know, we were wee lads, okay, whatever that means. So I probably six or seven years old, I don't know. And and uh, our church had actually a guest children's evangelist come in and and do a do a thing for the kids. And Josh and I, I. I my dad taught us the Bible from a very early age. I'm just being honest with you. He, he, my mom and dad really taught us to memorize scripture and to actually know what it means. And I'm not, I'm not bragging on that, but I'm saying that's, I'm happy they did that. And so, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and, uh, you know, they're like, well, my, my dad taught me how to, how to fight by the time I was seven years old. I'm like, bravo. How'd that go for you, man? I, that's good. I, that, that's, but you, you, that's fine for you. My dad never taught me how to fight. But he did teach me how to fight spiritually, and he did show me the Bible. And so Josh and I, at six and seven, I mean, we'd set up little pulpits and give, you know, little pretend sermons and stuff like that. I remember when I was real little, I was like, turn to the book of David, chapter four. There's no book of David in the Bible. Anyway, so, but I didn't know that, but my heart was right. God knows my heart. So, but, so this children's evangelist comes in, and he's, he's like, okay, kids, we're going to learn a verse today. Proverbs 18:21, and I mean instantly we're like got this let's go and so he quotes it and he's like can anybody tell me what that means I'll give you a whole dollar and we're like a dollar are you serious <laughs> uh, and so he goes up five dollars to the kid that can explain this verse and me and Josh are like if he's going to keep going up we're going to wait this thing out here he comes here comes Josh and so uh, and so finally the guy gets up he's like Final $20 to the kid that can explain this verse. And uh, Beardo's hand goes right up into the air. And he he answers. And, I mean, he gives a theological, I mean, college-level explanation of what Proverbs 18. And the guy's jaw just dropped. He was like, and so he, he coughed it up, man. He gave him the 20 bucks. We went straight to Kmart and got some cap guns. You know what I mean? Come on. Somebody, yeah? Cowboy hats and cap guns? True story. Every bit of that. And so what I'm saying is this, though, from a very early age, I have learned that my words mean something. The majority of Christians, they don't get this just like the rest of the world does. They speak such bad things into their life all day, every day, and then wonder why it is they're reaping the consequences. They're reaping the harvest on their words. That's flu season. We get it every year. Oh, my gosh. You're going to speak that over your children? Man, what's up with you? Or, you know, we're, we never have enough money. It seems like they always get We never have enough. Why would you say that? Why? Or, you know, or, or uh, man, it's this job. I hate this place. I hate my job. Why would you say that? Come on. Correct yourself. Start speaking words of life over your situation, man. My old lady, she's nothing but a nag. Shut up. Tell you what, my husband, if there was anybody lazier than I would love to. Shut up. Why are you doing that? Stop it. 
Don't do that. You're just making the situation worse. Don't speak what you see. Start speaking what you want to see into your situation. If you want him to always be lazy, keep calling him that all day long. If you want her to be a nag until the day you die, keep calling her that. But listen to me. If you want something different, you need to start changing the words that you're speaking over that situation. And I mean, that it's maybe this is a new teaching, or maybe you're like, I know that, Pastor Dave. I've tried that, and I do that. Of course I speak words of faith. Then why is the situation still the same? Well, we're going to get into this just a little bit tonight. So what I want to look at now is Mark 11, 22 through 24. And this is, a if you've been around very long around here, this is a familiar portion of Scripture. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Let's get excited for the word. Let's give a little shout tonight. Yeah. Nick's got my back, but he's all the way in the back of the room there. I need some, some help up front. All right, Mark 11. And it is 80s night. I don't know if anybody got the memo. Did you see that? 80s night. I was there for a couple of those years. I even wore my pink flamingo shirt to kind of celebrate. I didn't know that that also applied to the temperature inside the building. But, hey, it's 80s night. Come on, somebody. So Mark 11. We're going to start at verse 22 through 24. And... This man, this is power right here. Look at this. Verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I mean, he didn't say he could possibly have some of the things he says. Jesus made one of the boldest statements he could make right there. He said, you shall have whatsoever you say. If you speak the words and you believe the words you spoke and you don't doubt them, guaranteed, you'll have whatsoever you say. That sounds like, are you sure? Because I, I don't think I can believe I'm just saying, those aren't my words. Jesus said that. He said that if you'll speak words of faith to this mountain and you actually believe it and don't doubt it, you will have whatsoever you say. That is bold. That is radical. That is almost mind-blowing. But Jesus said it. And then he said in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. There it is again. Now, I'm going to dig into this. And if maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've never heard what we're teaching on. But either way, if you think you've heard this a thousand times so you don't need to really pay attention, you're in, you're in grave danger right now. If you get to the point uh, in your Christian walk where you're like, oh, I've heard that. I don't want to hear about that anymore. That's a dangerous spot to be in. Never say that about any portion of the word of God. Well, I've, I've heard John 3.16 a million times. I don't need to hear that again. You need to hear it again, dude. You know, I, I, I've heard this over here so many times. You need to hear it again. And so we're going to break this down into three different things tonight. And the first thing I'm going to say is this. Number one, breaking this down right from Mark 11. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And, I mean, that's, that's basic. That's not that deep of a thing. But so many people, even those that have been Christians a long time, they kind of just, they, 
They overcomplicate. Do you ever do that? You have a situation and you overthink it, and you really turn something that wasn't that big of a deal into something that's massively major. I mean, you ran out of gas, but now you think you need a whole new engine, or maybe you know, like, wait, wait a minute, the gas light was on before this thing shut down. And so I'm telling you, sometimes we overcomplicate it because we overthink it. You guys are hearing the ACs probably trying to kick back on. So that's Edison. Uh, they had to shut it down, but they're bringing it back on probably as you're listening. So, But what I'm saying is this. Don't lose sight of this very simple step. Have faith in God. Now, what, who was Jesus talking to when he said this? Was he talking to complete heathen? Was he talking to people that had never heard the gospel before? He was actually speaking to his 12 disciples right there. So you're thinking, I mean, if there's anybody that would know, duh, have faith in God, it would be, it'd be the, the disciples would know that. But Jesus wasn't talking to the heathen. He was talking to the 12 closest people he had when he said, have faith in God. So we're going to throw it in reverse just a little bit and go back a few verses to verse 12. And I'm going to show you why it is we're at this point where he has to say, have faith in God. Mark 11, verse 12. I'm going to be in the New King James here. It says this. Here's how the story goes. Now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. I mean, hey, you're hungry. There's a fig tree. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Fig Newtons for everybody. Yeah. And so when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So Jesus gets, you know, upset at this tree over this situation. May nobody ever eat from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. Verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Peter. And that's where we're at right here is why Jesus said that, because they were all shocked that Jesus actually had what he said. Jesus said, no one's ever going to eat fruit from you ever again. And notice it didn't instantly die. The tree didn't fall over dead right there. It didn't happen instantly. But by the next morning, so let's say probably less than 12 hours later, it was dried up from the roots and the disciples were shocked. And Jesus said, he's, he's not shocked. Jesus didn't say, my gosh, Peter, you're right. Hot dog. I didn't expect nothing to happen. No, he was like, duh, have faith in God. I, I knew this. I, he wasn't surprised at all. That's like some Christians I know. They say a prayer, and really it's more of a wish, but they say a prayer, and then when something actually happens, oh, my gosh, it actually worked. If you're that shocked when your prayers get answered, we need to have a little talk. I mean, it's, we should be happy. We should be celebrating. But you shouldn't just be about to pass out like, oh, my gosh, something actually happened that time. Your prayers getting answered should not be that rare of an occurrence for you that it just floors you. But anyway, Jesus isn't shocked at all. And that's why he says such an obvious statement. I almost hear his voice like, have faith in God. What's wrong with you, man? Of course something happened. Now, the average Christian that I know, they would have said, you know, Jesus cursed the tree and then nothing instantly happened. See, it doesn't work. See, one hour later, two hours later, 
three hours later. Doesn't work. I, I, I spoke to it. Nothing happened. Even Jesus himself spoke to the tree, and it didn't instantly happen that time. It took a few hours. Now, it did happen, you know, within, I would say, a relatively short period of time. But by the next morning, by the next morning, it wasn't just leaves falling. It was withered. It was from the roots up. It had dried out. And Jesus says, have faith in God. And then he goes on to say, man, you can have whatsoever you say. And you need to get a hold of this. You need to realize that there is power in your words too. Well, that was Jesus. Jesus said, whosoever shall say into this mountain, be thou removed. He didn't say, hey, everybody, gather around. I want to show you a cool trick I can do. I can speak to things and make them turn around. It's, it's amazing, but only I can do it, so come watch me. No, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. If you believe in your heart and don't doubt those things you say, you will have whatsoever you say. That, that is a, that's a huge statement right there. Please hold your place here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very, uh, uh, bold and try to cover a lot of ground in about 20 minutes time or less. So we're gonna flip back to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, but we're coming back. We're gonna do a lot of flipping over the next few minutes. So hang on, buckle up. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and try to do this. We're gonna cover some ground here. But we're gonna go back to the Old Testament here, 1 Samuel 17. And here's the story that everybody knows of David and Goliath. Now, David is facing an insurmountable situation, right? He's facing the giant. Not only him, but all of his countrymen, they're facing a giant that's threatening to absolutely annihilate them and wipe them out. And so we have Goliath over nine feet tall. You know the story. Uh, And he's not one of those, you know, I played basketball with a lot of tall guys, but all of them were real clumsy. They weren't coordinated at all. You could blow on them and they'd fall over. He wasn't one of those guys, okay? He was actually a coordinated, agile beast. And so he's out there, you know, man, I'm going to rip you guys apart, and and your your God must be nothing. And and he's insulting the the God of Israel and all this stuff. All the men of the army, they're, they're, they're afraid. They're, they're cowering and hiding, and, and here comes David, and here's where we are, First Samuel 17, verse 32. He says this, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. So David was a teenager, and this guy was a grown man who had been fighting battles since the time that he was a youth. And there's a huge key right here that you need to see. Because have you ever been up against a situation that you were not qualified to handle? I have. Man, I thought I was I knew all sorts of stuff about kids, then I had them. And I was like, whoa, I don't know anything about these people. <laughs> this is, I mean, who are these guys? You know, you come up against situations in your life that... Honestly, you're not qualified to handle that. You don't have any idea what you're doing. And here we have David. He's not qualified to go to war necessarily and fight somebody that's nine feet tall. Yeah, he, he's, 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 won some, he's done some things. But here he is going out against the most trained warrior in all the land. And, and David has no experience. So you need to know that in your life, 
you will face problems that you don't have the experience yourself to handle. But that's okay if God is on your side. Nothing to worry about. Now, if you're fighting against God, then, oh, my Lord, you are in for it. It's going to be bad. But if you're on God's side, nothing to worry about. You're just sitting here trying to raise your family in the ways of God. You're sitting here trying to work that job, trying to serve in that church, trying to love thy neighbor as thyself. Come on, man. Listen, God's on your side in that. You're going to win if you can speak the right words and if you can truly trust God and actually believe God. And so we're going to we're going to be going back and forth throughout the stories here. But David was fully confident and we're going to see the words that he spoke in just a few minutes. And so we're talking about word power. The first thing is you better have faith in God and God alone, not yourself. The second thing is this. You need to speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. I'm talk to stuff. You think we're weird? Well, we think you're weird if you don't talk to the mountain. You're a weirdo. I don't get that. That's crazy. Why wouldn't you talk to the mountain? Why wouldn't you talk to the situation? Jesus said to do it. And so you need to speak to the mountain. And here's where I find so many Christians that have heard this teaching. Because honestly, the power of words, we're, we're called a word of faith church. That's what we are. Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth, these are word of faith people, man. I, I've, my whole life has been based off of this stuff. There's Pentecostals and spirit-filled and tongue-talkers. We're all that stuff. But what kind of separates us as a church to the next level is we are word of faith. We believe that our words have power. Not every Pentecostal church believes that or understands that. But I'm telling you right now, I believe this and I've worked this in my life. For all these years, that's how I'm alive, because my parents spoke words of faith when I had leukemia. And, you know, and going into that for just a second, they really did speak to the mountain. Because I see so many people, you know, I'm not judging, I'm just saying, so many people that are going through hard times, are, I know, speak to the mountain, but they don't actually do it. Or maybe they did it once. They did it on Monday morning, but now it's Friday, and they haven't done it since then. They've just complain they i would i would i don't know i would i would venture to say that the average christian probably speaks maybe 100 negative words to every five positive words maybe that at least you know from what i can that's an estimate maybe i'm totally off but i know so many people that they'll speak all week long negative in this town what's this town coming to hey there are things that have happened within the city over the last couple of years that i have not loved okay but I'm not going to stay here and, you know, man, that place is a hole. My gosh. Don't do that. I need it to be different for me and my kids. Don't do that. I'll tell you what, man, we're losing everything. Stop. Oh, but, but in the name of Jesus, you know, Barstow's getting better. You just spoke 5,000 bad things, and then you're going to say one negative thing and think that you're just a, you're a faith warrior. You're not. We see right through that facade. That's a joke. And so... It says, speak to the mountain. Now, when I had leukemia, they were, I mean, this was, a, they were prepared way before the fight ever came. Now, hey, if you weren't prepared beforehand, you can still make it through, but it's really hard to, to lay the foundation after the flood came. It's hard to pour concrete in standing water. You know what I mean? And now, come on, you, you can do it. Go for it. Fight it. Absolutely. But it's really cool to be prepared before the storm actually comes. 
And in this case, thank God, I don't can't have any credit. I was just three, four, but they were really prepared. They were so like Rambo status about this stuff. They would not let people even come into the room to see me if they were if if you showed up to give your sympathies. My either they had either my uncle or my dad's best friend meet you downstairs in the lobby. Thank you for coming. It means the world so much. Thank you. Have a good drive home. I'm sure. Thank you. You drove two hours. God bless you. Oh, yeah. And you know what? That may seem rude, but when your child's about to die, I'd rather err on the side of being rude than having you come in and puke a bunch of negativity on my situation. You know what I mean? And so, and you know, I was telling this story to the membership class, and they had me. They had had me to go watch uh, that movie uh, that just came out a few months ago by the kid that fell through the. Is that breakthrough? What was that called? I don't know. Any. You know what? Yeah, it's breakthrough. And so, and they're like, your parents sound exactly like the mom in that movie. And I'm like, yeah. So I went home and watched it that night. And that was, it was a good movie. I didn't really like the pastor in the movie, but other, everyone else is pretty cool. And so, uh, and, and, but, but the mom, she was meeting people out in the lobby and being like, you can't go in there. You can't speak those words around here. And if you're not willing to be that bold and not take words that seriously, and some people aren't, I get that. That's fine. If you care more, you know, if you care more about everybody, and I'm, you don't have to be rude to people, but you do have to eventually make a stand. If you're in a really bad spot, you do have to eventually make a stand and say, you know what, I love you, but we're speaking words of victory over this situation right now. I love you, and I know your heart, but we just can't have that in here. You've got to get to that place. If, you know, if, if you're going to take this seriously, and all I can say is this, you may think I'm wrong, all I can say is this, that's what they did, and I'm still alive. So in that situation, it worked. I'm just going to say that. That's, that's proof enough for me right there. But Jesus saying it was already proof enough. And so you need to speak to the mountain, Mark 11:23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that are he shall have whatsoever he saith. Speak to this mountain. Say unto this mountain. Now get this. This could be mind-blowing for a lot of you. There were a lot of times, and you can study the four Gospels, many times and many situations, Jesus did not pray about the problem. He simply spoke to it with authority. Now, there, Jesus prayed, okay? We're not diminishing prayer, not saying, because pray without ceasing. You need to be praying every day, all day, pray all the time. Of course. But observing the example of Jesus, there were some times Jesus simply spoke words of faith to the situation and called it to turn around, spoke to people and say, go, thy servant is healed. You know, the man in Matthew 8 comes up, the centurion, and says, my servant is at home paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus says, all right, I'll just come on over, man. We'll take care of this. And the guy says, no, don't come. I'm not worthy to have you come in my house. I know that I'm not where I need to. I'm not worthy. Just speak the words, Jesus, from where you are. And Jesus says, okay, go home. He's healed. And the man goes home, and the servant is healed. Jesus didn't pray there. He simply just spoke the words of faith. And so what I'm saying is, you know, I don't want this to ever be misunderstood. I pray all day, every day, all the time. I pray. I love to pray. Prayer is huge. 
But there is a place also for simply getting boldness on the inside of you and saying to this mountain, in the name of Jesus, be moved, get out of the way. I call you healed in the name of Jesus. I call that prodigal son to return home in the name of Jesus. Come home. There's a time to simply speak words of faith and speak to the mountain. Because Jesus, in this instance, did not say, pray for that mountain to be removed. Oh, man, get the prayer chain started. Get somebody. Come on. The more you get, the better chance you have of me deciding to be persuaded to answer your prayer. If I get a million of you, maybe you could twist my arm and I'll do it. Come on. No. He said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, they shall have whatsoever they say. That's huge right there. I'm telling you, you need to get this. Even if you've heard this a million times, you need to start watching your words. You need to start speaking words of faith over your situation consistently, not just one time and thinking that's going to get the job done. I'm telling you, Christian, maybe you've been in this longer than I have. I'm telling you, you better take your words seriously because the devil takes them real seriously. He, be, he believes what you're saying. He believes, well, you know what? I can tell right now from the words that, that this guy's speaking that he doesn't really believe what the word of God. I'll go in there right now and I'll, I'll huff and puff. I'll blow his house down. He won't ever see it coming. Or, or th- this lady over here, man, I'm going to steal her lunch and pop the bag. She ain't got nothing. She, 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 speaks, she speaks bad about this all day long. I'm going to come in and destroy this. The devil's listening. You need to watch your words. I was driving along last summer. Uh, we were, had gone camping in Sequoia, and um, Austin and Katie were with us. The Matas and Josh and Julie were with us the first part of the week, then Austin and Katie came. And so I was driving through the national forest there, and I love big trees, and I love mountains, and I love water. Oh, it's beautiful. And so we're driving, and I've got the satellite radio on, and this song comes on. And the, the song is literally all of, it was the Christian station about, I mean, I, I tried to erase my mind from it because it was so vulgar and disgusting. But the lyrics really were, when my child is dying of cancer in that hospital room and there's nothing I can do, still I will whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was like, man, I punched the radio. Get that off. The kids are listening. Dear God. You know, I mean, I'm serious. You want my kids to hear that junk about, all right, there may be a time, kids, when you do get, you know, cancer or something, and there's nothing you can do, nothing God can do. The devil's just going to overpower both of you. Nothing you can do except to sit there and accept it. Like, my God. I was looking for Snoop Doggy Dog or somebody, somebody that was cleaner than that trash. That was foul. That was disgusting to hear somebody turn that on. I, I would rather my kids just about listen to anything other than that. And I'm serious. That'll send you straight to your deathbed. You're listening to junk like that. That is messed up for a Christian to say, suppose there comes a time, God, when you strike my kid with sickness and there's nothing either of us can do. And here we are. And I'll just, I'll, I'm still going to, you know, I'll keep in contact, God. But why in the world? Would you say that? Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that my parents didn't listen to junk like that. Whew. And I'm glad that everybody in this church is smart enough to not listen to junk like that. We aren't going to do that. We're going to listen to stuff that says death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I love to speak positive words, so I'm going to be eating some good fruit tonight, somebody. You know what I mean? You need to get a hold of the power of this. And I'm telling you, it is real. And so why is it that we, why can you speak these words of faith? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because you have authority. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. And I can tell that I was way over optimistic that there's no way. And I'm not speaking negative words. I'm just, there's no way I'm going to finish this sermon in one setting here. But I tried. I tried. I've got five minutes and I tried. But uh, Luke chapter 10, Luke 10. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Luke 10, verses 17 through 19. Because here's another news flash that most Christians that I know, they don't know this. For whatever reason, they mean they may have a great church and great people surrounding them. But a lot of Christians don't know these verses. And if you don't know these verses, that's a terrible travesty. You should know these verses. This is, this is so fundamental to you as a New Testament Christian living in 2019. You need to know this stuff. Luke 10, verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, Jesus had more than the 12? Yes. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He says right there, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That word authority is key right there. Jesus said authority over all the power of the enemy. Why is it that I can speak to the mountain and it has to be moved? Is it because I've just got this great power that I'm, I'm so powerful? No. I have the authority to the power. You understand that? I have, I have the authority. Jesus, Jesus has the power. I've got the authority to use that power in the right context. You know, think about it, and I've, I've used this example a lot, but think about it. How is it you could have some little, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, a, a police officer. You know, maybe you've got some five-foot-five little skinny dude police officer, and he's out there, and there's a semi coming down the street, and he holds his hand up, and it comes screeching to a halt. Does he have the power to stop that? That thing would crush him, man. It is like make him a pancake. But why does it still listen? Because he has the authority. The authority has been given to him by somebody that has the power to do something to that guy. You go running over a cop, you know, with your semi, you're going to jail for a very, very long time. Rightfully so, right? And so... Right here is the example that you don't have the power. I I don't possess within my body the power to heal leukemia. But I found out that we've got the authority to the guy that does have that power. And he said, go ahead, use my my name. Go in my name. Absolutely. What, they're giving you trouble over here? Go in my name. Take care of it. He is backing me with all the power of heaven. And I've got the authority. Think about that. My gosh. Whoa. What, what if, man, the governor, the president, somebody, somebody that's a billionaire, what, let's say Jeff Bezos, he's worth like 136 billion at the current moment. That's a lot of money. What if he says, I have opened an account for you 
here's the card to it. Use whatever you whatever you want to do, man. It's in my name. You just go use and and do it as long as you know it's it's legal, good stuff, moral things. You just go do whatever you want to do. I'd be like, cha-ching, come on, listen. I know he's got the goods. It ain't because I'm so rich. It's because this guy's so rich, and he gave me the authority to his resources. Jesus has given you the authority to all the resources of heaven. If you actually understood what I just said, you wouldn't be sitting there quiet like a bump on a log. You, if you actually understood that Jesus said all the power of heaven, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at your disposal anytime, day or night, in my name. You can do it. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. If you don't doubt and believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Now, to the small majority of Christians that get that revelation, it rocks their world, and they go do something with it. And I'm telling you, it seems to be a small percentage that get that revelation for whatever reason. But if you're one of them that will let that get into your heart, that would change your life. That mountain that has stared you in the face for all those years, if you would speak to it, and it's still there on Tuesday, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it all over again, because even the tree Jesus spoke to didn't die in one hour. And, and, and I'm going to say, okay, it's still there on Wednesday. I'm going to speak to it all over again. You better get this revelation. I'm going to try to just briefly look at number three here if I possibly can. And, uh, man, I love something Bill Winston said. He said, if you've got guts enough to say it, God's got power enough to do it. If you've got the guts, if you've got the faith to say it, God's got the power to do it. But the third thing tonight is this. The final point is that you need to believe the things you said will come to pass. Now, none of this to me is that, you know, that's not that deep. Have faith in God. Speak to the mountain. Okay, that's not, you don't have to have a PhD to understand that. And then the third thing is you need to believe the things you said will come to pass. Now, here's where this is the dividing line that separates the men from the boys, the the ladies from the little girls, whatever you want to say. This is the dividing line that disqualifies a whole lot of people because They'll start speaking words, but when it doesn't happen instantly, they, they don't really. But they're, they're more of like doing it like, well, let's give it a shot and see if it works, maybe. I don't know. It's worth a try. We've tried everything else. We, you know, we, we've talked to him. We've got the prayer chain going. We did this over here. I, heck, let's just try it. Let's give it a shot. Come on. I'll speak to the mountain this time. That doesn't count. That's a wish. You're saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. That, that's not going to get you far. Jesus said, if you believe the things you said will come to pass. You can't doubt in your heart. You've got to believe it. You have to believe it. And don't doubt in your heart. Now, sometimes you may have doubt thoughts come into your mind. Okay? That happens to everybody. But you, if you believe in your heart, you'll fight those off. No, 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 no. The word of God says that by his stripes, by his wounds, I am healed. So I am. I'm going to continue speaking this. But if you could cross the line with me and be to this category, and I'm, I'm striving, man. I'm not always right there. But if you could take that next step and step out from the rest of the crowd, speak words of faith, and actually believe them, and don't doubt, according to Jesus Christ himself, you would have whatsoever you say. 
well, I tried that, and I didn't have whatsoever I say. Then you didn't really try it. Then you didn't really do it. Well, I did that, and nothing happened. I did, and I didn't doubt it. And, well, either Jesus Christ is a liar, or you're a liar, or somebody's confused somewhere. But far be it from me to say that Jesus lied to us. I'm not even going to call you a liar, but somewhere there was a mix up somewhere, but there's not a chance at all that Jesus lied or Jesus was mistaken. He said we could do this and we could have whatsoever we say. And so we're going to have to end there. We're out of time tonight, but I'm telling you, whether this is the first time you heard this or the thousandth, there's power in your words. You need to start watching what you say. If you're speaking negative things over your children all the time, if you're speaking negative things over your job, your school, your marriage, you need to stop that now. Quit it and start speaking words of faith and believe them in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we better end. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.